Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. I'm excited this morning because we have something special and we've saved this, but I hope that y'all will be really pumped up with me because y'all have no idea what a treat you're about to have. But this morning, Blake Elder is going to come and as he comes up, I want to tell you a couple things about him. Um, I've known Blake for a while, but I've gotten to really know him as a brother and as a friend the last year. And um, I want to tell you, he is very talented. I sit in rooms with him a lot, meet with him every single week. And um, he's very wise and he's very talented. But I want you to know that my favorite thing about Blake is not his talent and it's not his wisdom because he's got a lot of that, but it's his character. It's who he is. Um, I've seen him weep over sin. I've seen him weep over lost people. I've seen him rejoice when people get saved. And that's the greatest rejoicing that I've seen him have. And I've seen him in the best of times in athletics and the best of times in other things. Um, Blake is a handsome and well put together man. But let me just tell y'all something. The reason that this man, listen to me, the reason that this man is my brother is not because of his talent and it's not because of his look. But it's because what's in here. And I need y'all to know that y'all are fixing to get a gift because this man is bringing something from right here. And it is a gift from God that he's going to bring to you this morning. So I wonder if anybody can honor the man that's bringing the word today and my brother, Blake Elder. Come on, somebody. Honor this dude. I love you, man. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, everybody, for being so welcoming and warm. And um, just want to share just a little bit. Um, I've been attending Four Points since August. When I'm, a, I'm a football coach and guidance counselor down at Woodruff High School. And, uh, and one of my players was getting baptized on a Sunday morning in August. He invited me to it. And so I came. And uh, in the middle of the service, the Lord... Uh, told me this is where you need to be and so uh, it's just incredible to come into a place this is a place that I prayed for this is a place that I've been looking for for two and a half years since moving back down to South Carolina and to, to be able to find it and to be at the place where I knew this is where the Lord wanted me is such an incredible feeling there's nothing better than being right where you know you're supposed to be and I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be at uh, here at Four Points Church and it's because many of you um, the relationships that have been developing over, over the months of being here. And I, I'm so thankful for our pastor. And, uh, because, and, and I really want to take a second to honor him and, and Leah because of what they mean to me in my life. Um, I, I, I've been praying for a pastor too, not just the church, but for a pastor. I think it's important to have uh, spiritual leadership in your life. And it's always to have, great to have somebody that can uh, watch over your soul. And I think that he does not only for me, but for all of us, for our body. I think we have an incredible uh, pastors and Pastor Mark and Leah. Can we can we stand and honor them? Because it's better it's better than what I asked for. It's better than what I was asking for. And I love you, and I'm thankful to be able to stand and preach the word today. Thank y'all. Just this, I just had this thought of the, when the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon in 1 Kings 10. She came and she said, it's better than what I'd heard. And to me, that, that's what Four Points Church is. It's better than what I'd heard about it before I'd ever come. And that's a testament to your love for the Lord, who you are. And I'm so thankful to be a part of what God's doing here. Um, today, I think there's nothing more powerful than a shared experience, and the title of the message today is A New Experience. Uh, I, I've shared some great experiences in my life, in my athletic career, 
in my life, journeying and walking with people. And uh, I, I was part of the Appalachian State team that upset Michigan in the big house. I, w- I was a part of national championship teams. I've been a part of some, some incredible things uh, as an athlete. I've been a part of some incredible things as a coach, winning close games, nail, nail-biter games. And uh, I've been a, a part of some great things as a guidance counselor, as a friend, and, and just walking with people and seeing God move in my life. And some of the greatest experiences, and this is where I'm coming from today, some of the greatest experiences that I've had is when I've seen the blessing of God, the life that is offered to us in Christ, overtake people. The way I've seen him come and overtake me in broken moments. The way that I've seen him through a conversation with somebody in a car ride, then be overcome with his presence and his love for him. The way a student can come into my office and leave saved because they know the Lord. The way that, that God can come and show up anywhere he wants to when just, I love that about Jesus. He'll show up where people are talking about him. He'll, uh, the, the guys are walking on the road to Emmaus and they're talking about the scriptures and everything that Jesus had done. And there Jesus shows up right in the middle of them. Peter is, is, is talking about Jesus and the disciples after the resurrection. And they're in the upper room, they're in the, lock, the room with the locked door just talking about everything trying to figure out everything that's going on, and Jesus shows up right in the middle of them. People go with a testimony somewhere and start talking about all that Jesus has done, and God will show up right there in the middle. And I think he still does it today. And I think that when you have an experience of his love, you can't, just, you can't help but talk about it. That, that, that talking about Jesus and the word of the Lord and the gospel of God is not just something that preachers do, but it's something that people that love him do. And so I'm thankful today as somebody that loves Jesus, that I get to share a little something today, and it's really been heavy on my heart, and I'm, I want you to know where I'm coming from in the Lord with it. It's been a real challenging and freeing thing for me personally in my walk with what this experience that I'm having in my identity in Christ with the Lord, and the words that are being spoken to me by, uh, by the people around me that I trust, and what I'm, I'm discovering in the Word of God. But I was, I was praying on Thursday for, for Sunday and for everybody here uh, today. And God put this thought in my heart, what if every prayer that has ever been prayed, every facet of everyone's journey, what if everything that I intended for an individual, for their purpose, for their destiny, for what I have planned for them, what if it could be wrapped up in one moment? I want you to preach like it could. And so that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm believing that there's miracles, there's answers for every heart, for every person here today, that the love of God, that you'll have an experience. I don't want to just give you information. I want, you to, I want to preach so that, that, so that God can enter in, that we can have a moment in his presence and to really see what he, he's offering us. So I, I'm excited about it. And you experience, if you will, just pray with me. God, we acknowledge you today. We love you today. There's no one like you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that you know every need, every question. That wherever we are, whoever we are, in our journey, in our walk with you, in our our life upon this earth, Lord, would you give us a moment with you today? Would you give us a moment with you today? I stand in agreement with heaven's perspective today. In Jesus' name, amen. A new experience. What we share with others reveals what we value most. What we share with others reveals what we value most. And we cannot share what we do not have. And most of the time, the way that things come to us is through experience. The way that we learn best is through experience. The way that, the way that we move forward, the way that we gain uh, character, the way that we gain skills is through experience. That employers want to hire somebody who has had experience. They want, they want to have somebody who's there and is qualified and equipped, and their experience plays a big part in that. And, and, and words play a big part in that. I think what we say is important. I think, I think what the words that we speak about situations, about people, about ourselves are very important. And what I found is that words build environments to where we can experience things. If I can express something to you, if I can speak something to you, 
and I, I, can, I can say something positive to you, or I can say something God, as simple as God loves you, or as simple as he's got great plans for you, that he'll work everything out together for good. As simple as that, then I'm, giving, I'm, I'm, I'm exposing you to something through that expression. So an expression gives me exposure to something that otherwise I did not know was there. A lot of times we, have, we struggle with things in our life because we have not been exposed to the level or the information that we need to function at a certain level. And so uh, the way it starts many times is through a conversation. If I had other titles for the message, I might say a con- it, we're a conversation away. Or I might say God's got something to say about it. Uh, but but we, to have a new experience, it begins with what we talk about. We move towards the things that we talk about. We, we move towards the things that we're listening to, that we're hearing. And so it's important as people of God, as followers of Christ, to be able to express things that are exposing people to the things that they need to realize the love of God for their life and who they are in Christ. And then with that exposure, once you're exposed to something that you haven't been exposed to, let me give an example. I was a walk-on football player. I showed up to Appalachian State. I did not start in high school. Uh, I I sat on the bench in high school, and I showed up to Appalachian State as a walk-on football player, not, uh, not invited. I weighed 148 pounds my first day weighing in. And every coach there thought, this joker's going to die. <laughs> this guy right here, he ain't going to make it. I put on a little bit of weight and, and went on, but I got exposed to a certain intensity of the workouts that I would go through before I ever got there because I knew some people that had played college football. One of them was my brother, so that helped a lot. But I was able to go ahead and, and, and anticipate and expect what that environment would be like, so I was ready to step into it once, once that opportunity came open. And I also had some people that expressed some things to me. And in 2006, at our senior banquet, I had my head football coach stand in front of about a room full of about 500 people, and he said, and Blake's going to go walk on at Appalachian State University, and he's going to end up starting there, and he's going to be a captain of his football team. I never started for him, and he said that about me in that moment. And so every limitation, every, every disbelief, every uncertainty, lack of confidence about myself was broken in that moment. And I, 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 words matter. It matters what we're speaking to people. And uh, I, I go on, and I do. I end up being a part of the team that upset Michigan. Walking down that tunnel to the big house was an awesome thing. And being able to experience that with my older brother who was also on the team, it's an awesome thing. And then I, I go on and I get to experience winning national championships. And I go on and I get to experience my senior year being elected a captain of my football team, just like he, my coach had spoken. A two-year starter and captain of my football team, all because somebody, while I had no evidence that I would do that, said that I could, that it would be possible for me to do that. And that's all I needed to know. I'm kind of crazy. If you tell me it's possible, I might do it. I'm going to go and do it. And so uh, my, my senior year, we're, uh, it's senior day, and we're, we're playing uh, the Walford Fleabags. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm, there's probably some Walford Terriers in here, and I, I love the school. I think it's a great education. Now I pull for them because they don't play App State and all that stuff. But um, we're playing Walford at home a senior day. Um, and, and I'm just sitting there, standing there, Coach Moore, he's walking down the line, shaking hands with everybody, all the talking to the families and everything like that. And after he shakes hands and it's time for us to go back up to the locker room before we come out for the game, my dad leans over and he whispers something in my ear. He says, climb that mountain one more time. Six words that summed up my entire journey of playing football at Appalachian State. Six words, that's all it took. So words expose us to something. They build expectation, but they also bring great meaning to our lives and help us find our identity. Climb that mountain one more time. You've done it before. You can do it again. And so I I love the power that we have in words and never take for granted the space that I get, especially as a guidance counselor, the space that I get where kids come in and they automatically trust me because of my job title sitting on the outside of my office. And I never take it for granted what it means to be able to speak into somebody's life and the words that I get to speak to them. 
Because I know all it takes is one word to change the trajectory of a life, the direction of a life. And whatever's been spoken before, it can be canceled out with one thing that can open up the door for them and expose them and build an expectation. Expectation comes from the word hope. The, the Greek word hope can be translated into three words, okay? It's, it's an anticipation, expectation, confidence. So it's as, as three levels of it. And what begins as an uh, expectation becomes something that I anticipate happening. It's not just that it can happen. It's that now I'm acting like it's going to happen. And then anticipation goes to confidence where I, it's not just that it can happen. It's not just that I think it will happen, but it's like I know it's about to happen today. That today is the day that somebody's going to get saved. Today is the day that you're going to enter into the more freedom in your relationship with Christ than you've ever known before. I believe it or I wouldn't be standing up here with a mic. When he told me that I was preaching, I would have said, you know, you go ahead because I ain't got nothing to say. But I got something to say today. A new experience. Words build environment and our words are powerful. Words give direction. Words give vision. Words, words give perspective. And the thing is, we can only speak from the perspective of our experience. So as humans, our perspective is limited. I can, I can give you everything that I have. And I can give you my very best, but it's still limited. I can be good at something, but it's still limited. Because I can only speak from the perspective of my experience from the wisdom that I've acquired or from the things that I've learned, but it can only be from my experience. And my, as human beings, our perspective is limited. A lot of times when God comes in the Bible, he comes by giving a word to somebody to meet somebody when they didn't even expect it. And the word of the Lord came to Mary saying, and the word of the Lord came to Joseph saying. So what God began, everything that God has worked out began with a word that he spoke. And he started it at creation. And when we were created in the image of God, everything in your life was planned to the last detail. Before the foundation of the world, he gave Christ to be crucified. He was planned out. He was ready to roll. He had it all worked out before anything came together. And a lot of times when we get vision and direction for our life and perspective of how to move through life, it comes through a word. Words also give us a sense of our identity and meaning. It tells us who we are. It allows us to express who we are. It allows us to pursue, invite, and find people. Words are our tools. We're a catalyst when we speak to people. Because uh, all it takes is one thing that, that, that grabs a person's heart. I have students come in, and they may say uh, what they're dealing with. And I may just say something as simple. You know, it doesn't always have to be that way doesn't always have to be that way. And with that, that opens the door. And then I become a catalyst for what God wants to do in their life, meaning I can speed up what God wants to do, that, the, that it doesn't have to be way down the road, way down the line. Once you get married, once you get a family, once you get settled at 30 years old, whatever it is, that you don't have to wait till then to discover what God has for you and the purpose that you have. So I want to offer God something that he can, that is inviting him into it. I want to speak something to somebody that's inviting him to enter into their life, enter into their mind, into their heart that will unlock their entire purpose and all that he has for them. I'm giving him something to work with, and I want it to speed up. I want to allow it to speed up. It's like adding an ingredient, adding an element that speeds up the experiment so that God can make himself known. Words allow us to be a catalyst to what God is doing. And words uh, are an indication of presence. The way that I know that you are here is that I can hear you speak to me. And uh, I'm not married, but (laughs) for everyone who is, there's nothing more frustrating than when you're sitting with somebody and they're not hearing what, they're not present with you while you're talking to them. They're not talking back. Right? You're here, but you really ain't present because you're not expressing yourself. Words allow us to indicate that we are present, that we are here. And God wants us to know that he is here. It's the whole reason that he came, Emmanuel, God with us, proclaiming that he is here. The king 
is here. The king is among us. And, and, and that's, what, that's what words allow us to do. It allows us to show. And people need to hear a word from the Lord. Maybe you can ask the Lord one day. Maybe you want to tell me something that somebody needs to hear today. And when you do it, he'll tell you something. And you're going to feel uncomfortable going up to somebody that you don't really know and, and tell them. I want to give an example. I'm, I'm not share the names of anybody, but there was a student just this year that the Lord put something in my heart for this student. And um, I w- it was just on my heart all that morning. And so when I saw the student, I said, look, I need you to come out of my office at some point today because I've got something I need to share with you. And so when they came in, all I shared was, I, I, I know God wants you to know that you're a treasure. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you got going on. But God just told me to share with you that you're a treasure to him. And I just left it at that. I just said that. About a month later, um, I have these little cards in my office that have scriptures on it. And people come through my office during lunch, and they'll flip through it. Sometimes they'll take one with them. And, uh, and so one of them came in, and, and there was a verse that had the Holy Spirit in it. And so the students in my office that day started asking about the Holy Spirit. And this student was in there, and I said, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who told me that day to tell you that you're a treasure. And uh, it was maybe three to five-minute exchange. Goes back to class, comes back uh, later in the day and says, I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying because I'm not sad, but I cannot just get it out of my head uh, what, you, what we were just talking about. And I want to get right with Jesus today. Can I come by your office at the end of the day and, and talk to you? And just that day, all it started was God, God says you're a treasure. That's all it took. And then it sped up the process of what God had planned for her just, just because God wanted to do it. If we could be crazy enough just to share what God puts on our heart and ask for those things. I need to move through some ground. If we can look at Genesis here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Behold, it was very good. God saw all that he made. And said, behold, it is very good. It is a fundamental need of every person to be called good. Every person is looking for identity and meaning. We have enough things in our life going on around us that tell us why we're not good. But out of all the creation, I think uh, man and woman was included in that, right? And it's called good. God saw all that he created, and it's good. And see, good isn't just, good, good is a state of being. It's a, it's a state. It's, it's something, it, it remains that way when it's good. Unless it's contaminated with. Unless it's messed with. And uh, identity and meaning are, uh, are very important. I want to look at this other scripture too. It's going to be good. Genesis 2, verse 20. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought, to them, brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. So God created man in his image, in his likeness. He gives this, he he says that it is good, that he is good. And then he gives man this capacity to name things. He gives him uh, this this function, this capacity to, uh, this faculty to be able to name things what a thing is. And that's going to be important. We're going to come come back to that. But every person needs to be called good. And identity and meaning um, have to do with where did I come from? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Who are my people? Where do I belong? What's my place? That's what identity gives us. It allows us to be able to have meaning and, and significance in our time upon the earth. Who are my people? Where, where did I come from? What's my place? What, what is there for me to go do? Where am I going? And a lot of times we, we can look back and we, we're identifying where we come from, but it's still so limited. 
we, our, our perspective is so narrow. It, it, it's limited to who our mom or dad is it's, or who our grandma or grandpa is. It's, it's limited to the geography uh, that, that we move around in, our, our, where we live, where we drive each day. It's limited to where we work. And, 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 it, and then it ends up being just feeling like such a limited way of life, such a limited way of life. But there's something deeper. There's something beyond that. There's, there's something back that he saw all that he had made, and he called it good. So there's something, there's something else going on. And then, uh, then we need to find uh, the context of our days. We need to know the context of our days. And sometimes that begins by being able to discover the faculties that God has given us, the faculties, the capacities that he has given us to be able to experience things in the earth. He's given us a, a, a capacity to speak. He's given us language. He, he's given us an ability to speak and to talk and to express. He's given us the ability to think and to reason, to, to have logic and to be able to understand. He's given us this function, this, this, this capacity, if you will. And he, he's given us a heart which allows us to, to feel, to relate, and, and, to, be, and to be filled in, in our life, to be healthy, to be strong. He, he gives us uh, the, this thing called faith, which is the power to believe. To every man it has been given a measure of faith, and faith is the power to believe. And every person gets to choose what they do with the power to believe. Nobody else can tell you what to believe. You get to choose that for yourself, but you cannot believe something that you have not been exposed to. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. One of the greatest functions that God has given us, one of the greatest faculties that God has given us is faith. But sometimes it's hard to understand how to use these faculties, these capacities. Or we, 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 we go look and try to feel those things in all these different places because context matters. It matters uh, what our context is. And uh, context has to do with it's impossible to find meaning apart from context. Meaning is derived from context. The consideration of what lies in the entire body. This is going to get good. The consideration of what lies within the entire body. Because many of our experiences, many of, of the things that we've, we've, uh, we've, we believe about ourselves have to do with such a limited thing. And we're missing a key part of the context. We're missing a key part, a key component to the body of work. Um, context is, is, is so important because it's the weaving together of two or more different things. It's like when, when I used to stay with my uh, uh, Granny Annie was what we called her. She was my great-grandma. She used to babysit us growing up. And we'd stay with her, and she'd make biscuits and burn bacon when she made breakfast. So now I love burnt bacon. All the t- if I go, I, I want that bacon crispy. Um, but she, uh, she would make biscuits, and she would, you know, she, would, she would make them homemade, and so she would mix the flour, the buttermilk, or, and everything. And, and then the, all the ingredients come together, and they become one. They become inseparable. That's what context does. It means that, and it gets real good when you consider that Jesus in your, is in, your con- in the context of your story. That uh, uh, context means that uh, every sentence matters. It means that, okay, yeah, I made that mistake. But how about this sentence, sentence about Jesus? Context centers around a certain thing that makes it stick together. And once those, those, those ingredients were mixed, you couldn't separate, you could no longer separate them back out because they became one together. And if you were missing one ingredient, then you're going to have some bad biscuits. <laughs> Everything matters. Every part of your story matters. I'll never be ashamed of something that God has used to reveal himself to me. You should never be ashamed of what had to happen so that God can come rushing. Because, look, we will only look for things according to uh, the perceived need that we have. If I perceive a need, then that will make me move towards something. And some of my stupidest decisions were the ones that made me see my biggest needs. 
And there were these old, there was these places that would not fulfill that question of who am I? Who are my people? Where did I come from and where am I going? That I'd drawn from all these different things. So the context of our days is important. And the context of our days is God wants us to see ourselves, wants us to see ourselves as his sons and daughters. And the devil wants us to see ourselves as anything but that. And so the context of our days is not just that God saw all that he made and called it good. There's also an enemy that wants to disrupt everything that God has planned for you. He wants you to call yourself anything except what God has called you. And people get called enough names in their life. You're not enough. You'll never make it. You're a failure. You're so stupid. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> that's Brother Barry. That's another, that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> but so many people identify, uh, identify us by so many different things that are negative, that are based off the stupid things that we've done. But we need to be called something different. The devil wanted to disrupt what God had planned, but he couldn't do it. Because there was something greater that was spoken before he ever fell from heaven and decided he wanted everybody to worship him and everybody to be deceived and to miss out, miss out on what God has for them. The context of our days is important. The devil is working to take us out the race. He wants us to start to believe that we are frauds, and there are many days that I do feel like a fraud. Because of presumptuous sins, tendencies that I have that I still haven't overcame, mistakes that I've made, opportunities that I've missed. But there's something else that's being said. The devil wants me to identify myself in this, and he, he gets me in this place of torment, makes me think that destiny is no longer intact, that I will no longer be what I believe God has showed me I can be and, and who I actually am. But then I consider the finished work of Jesus. The blood that he shed, the price that he paid, and I, I stand up and say, I am the ransom of God. And I got an in spite of testimony that cancels out all those other things. The context of our days is important. Jesus said, I got something to say about this thing. The story ain't over. I'm going to show up in the context of all this stuff, and all things are going to hold together in me. Everything was created by me, for me, in me, through me. And Jesus shows up, and he starts to weave everything together. I didn't know he was weaving my mistakes in with my strengths. And he was making them compatible together for the destiny that he had for me. I didn't know that he was taking the things experiences that I couldn't control and weaving them together with some of the high points of my life. That he was writing something else in there, that he was showing up on my scene in broken places, in moments of great failure, to say, it ain't over yet, buddy. You can get up. Climb that mountain one more time. Keep on going. Be who I've called you to be. You can do it. I'm with you. I got your back. I called you good. I made it come back together. I gave, I gave my son. So he, he's, he's weaving it all back together. And if we're not careful, and I need to move quickly, if I'm not careful, then I become limited in my existence because my experience. Many times I have uh, the wrong belief about something because of an outlier experience. An outlier experience. That we accept an outlier experience as our normal. But God never intended it to be normal. That's, that's how the devil works. He comes to deceive and says, Hath God said, did God really say this? You think you're who God said? You think you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You think you're more than an overcomer? You think you're the redeemed of the Lord? Because of an outlier experience. Something that you experienced. It could be Something that was so awful, it could be abuse, it could be an addiction, it can be the most perverse sin, it can be whatever it is, and that lie of the enemy, and that experience that you had 
He wants to tell you that's your normal. You can never break free from that. And so you get in this limited existence. And there's nothing more discouraging than to think that my existence is limited, that my life doesn't count, that who I am is not valuable. Nothing more discouraging than that. And we've got a great example. What a, what a limited experience ends up being is a forgotten identity. What made you forget your identity along the way? What made you forget about the experience that you have with Jesus? And some of you may have been, may have been walking with Jesus for a long time in your life now. Some of you may be just starting in your faith. Some of you may have a lot of questions and still wondering, what in the world is going on? Does God have something for me? Why did this knucklehead bring me to this building today? But wherever you are, there's an experience and there's something God's wanting to share with you in that experience that can never be taken away from you. And the joy of that experience and the, and the, and the process of getting to that experience. And there's something that can never be taken away from you. He wants you to have something that's not temporary, that's not wishy-washy, that's not here one day and gone the next. And we have a great example uh, of that in John chapter 4. John 1.14 in the message is a beautiful scripture. Since the word became flesh and, and blood, this is from the message, and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. He, he moved in to my neighborhood, came down my street looking for me. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. That's the scripture that says truth and grace. Jesus is the marriage of truth and grace. We have the union of truth and grace. They sound like they don't go together, right? But in Jesus, truth and grace. So he comes into the context that Jesus enters in in, the word became flesh. He entered in 400 years of silence. And that became the normal for people. Nobody's hearing from God. God ain't got nothing for us. He's done with us. God said, I got something to say about it. I got something to say about it. It's grace and truth. I read the book of John once in one sitting, reading it with John 1.14 as the thesis statement to the whole book. That everything that I was watching, like a movie reading the chapters and every interaction, was a display of His grace and truth. Truth without grace kills us and beats us up. Grace without truth pacifies us. Grace gives truth an aroma. Truth gives grace validity, a source. And in Jesus, truth and grace have the same face. And so he comes walking up one day in John chapter 4, and there's a woman at the well. She's thirsty. She has this faculty called a pot and she's coming to draw water from the well we've got a faculty of reason and our hearts and faith we're going to these wells to be filled what's going to satisfy that question that, that fundamental need of needing to know who I am am I worth it and, and see Jesus comes walking in and he's there and he says Give me something to drink. She says, ah, why do you ask me? She sa he says, uh, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. I'd give you living water, and it would flow from within you. And She's like, ah, yeah, I want that. Then I wouldn't have to come and draw from this well anymore. I wouldn't have to go to these places that still don't satisfy me. Man, she has an experience with Jesus. And so then he says, well, go and get your husband. He says, I don't have a husband. <laughs> Jesus says, you've said correctly, and the man, for you've had five, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. 
And there's this exchange that takes place. And then they start talking about worship. And she says, my father's worship at this mountain. He had no business talking to her anyway. She was a Samaritan. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. They, they had no business talking together. They had no business being in the same story. Except Jesus ties it together. The dividing of wall of hostility broken. The two become one. Fellow heirs sharing the same identity. Jesus wants us to share. He came to us to share his identity as the son of God with us. He wants us to see ourselves as his son and his daughter. That's the whole reason he came. And he goes on talking through this and he says, she says, yeah, we, we worship here and you guys worship there. And he says, well, we're going to worship in spirit and truth. We're all going to do it together. We're going to share identity together. We're not going to be separate. And then something happens. We get to verse 25. I love that. God sends Jesus you go back to that, God sends Jesus because he sees us as he first saw us, as good. Though we forgot identity, he didn't. And that This woman who's looking for our identity, drawn from the well continually, looking for identity. My fathers did it this way. Look, look past that. Let's go a little bit further behind that. Married five times, living with somebody can't meet your needs to be loved. Your relationships have been broken. Looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> but Genesis 25, uh, in John 4, verse 25, it picks up on the story. And I just want to move through this. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. I know that he's coming. When that one comes, he will declare, declare all things to us. That word declare, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's that he will, he knows it from head to toe. He knows the whole story. He completes, it translates, he completes the process. He completes the process from a heavenly perspective. He knows the entire process. He's, his perspective is not limited because his perspective isn't determined by experience. It's determined by his, his design, his purpose, his plan. It's, 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 it's based off his relationship. It's based off what he had planned all along. Such a beautiful thing. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm the one who completes the process. It ain't this thing way out here. It's not when you get this job, make this money, when you get settled in this place, when you have this number of friends. When No, it's me. All along, it's a person. And it's sharing something personal. Then the next verse, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed. They, were going, they went to go get something to eat. They were, they were tired. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? See, that's, that, religious people will start to tear you up because you're identifying with somebody that it really don't look right being with. Because you're breaking down barriers. Religion will tell you, will get mad at you because somebody found out that Jesus was right in front of them. But disciples, they come back and they don't ask questions. They're just glad somebody else is experiencing what they experienced. That Jesus came walking on the outskirts of the Sea of Galilee. Didn't go to the temple. He saw Peter and John. He said, hey, y'all inviting, y'all come follow me. I got something for you. This woman at the well was just their moment. It was her moment. Same kind of moment that Peter and John had. 
And that's what I desire. I want to be somebody who can say something that's a catalyst so somebody can have that moment with God that changes everything, that makes the story come together. That's what God wants us to be. That's what he wants us to be. So when the woman left her water pot, I don't need that faculty anymore. I don't need that. I've got a different capacity now. I've got a different type of capacity. It's my spirit. And every spirit needs, needs a place to find agreement for it to have expression. I don't have time to work on that. The spirit of depression finds agreement when we tear somebody down. When we speak something to somebody and tear them down. Every spirit needs a body to express himself legally in the earth. And so that's why Jesus sent, Jesus was sent in flesh and blood to legally express what the Spirit of God had planned all along. And so what God is looking for is just something to find agreement with in our life so that we can break agreement with these false identities, these unsatisfying things that we've used to fill our life. Come see a man who told me, all the things that I've done. Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. He knows everything that I've done. Every piece of the story. And he still shows up on my scene. Wants to share identity with me. Man, it's so incredible. He could have chose anything everything but he chose me and I just stand in his choosing today there ain't nothing I gotta do it's just something I get to receive that he came to me and today God's coming to you saying hey maybe you your experience has lied to you maybe you know me but you're not really see that's how God dealt with me this week maybe you know me but you're not really sharing with me you don't really possess what, I've, what I'm offering you. And there's so much freedom in it when, when, when you start to receive it. And just this morning, even praying, my confidence came because he said, just go up there as my son. You ain't got to be impressive. You ain't got to do something catchy or just be my son. pastor told me, just be Blake. That's what God's saying this morning. Just be who I've called you. The beautiful thing is that the God who created us good can make us good again when it got disrupted by the enemy. And truly, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Not according to where you came from. Not according to what has happened or all that you have done. Not according to your geography or where you work or where you work or what you've experienced. But according to his purpose. The purpose that Job came to find out, he said, I know that your purposes can't be changed and your plans can't be thwarted. God, we bless you today. I sense your presence and your ministry here today. That you're pouring out. You're pouring out. You're pouring out. You're sharing your identity with us that you are an overcomer, that you destroyed the works of the devil, that you sit high at the right hand of the Father, that you did die, you did rise again, you did ascend to the right hand of the Father. You are seated in victory in high places. The glory that you that belongs to you, you want to share with us and reveal us in your glory, that you are the God of truth and grace. 
You're the God who makes all things come together. You're the God who's been weaving in and out of our story, connecting the dots this whole time. And there's another sentence to be added to the story is that Jesus came to share identity with me. I want to share this. If God can find Gideon threshing out wheat in the wheat press, saying that he's the least of the least, and God can call him a valiant warrior, he can speak a new name to you. God gave Adam the capacity to name every living thing. He did not name Eve until Genesis 3.20. After the fall, after she had given the fruit to him, And you know what he did? And Adam named Eve the mother of all the living. (laughs) If he can find Saul going to kill Christians, he can find you and make you and make him Paul. He can find you and give you a new name. If he can find Simon fishing by the Sea of Galilee and call him Peter, he can find you. If he can find Daniel in Babylonian captivity, him praying in a lion's den, he can find you. He can rescue you. He can deliver you out of whatever it is, whatever that experience is that has lied to you, and he can, he can begin to form and weave some things together. If you'll stand to your feet this morning, I'm going to pray this prayer. We'll worship and you respond. After I pray this prayer, I just want you to respond. If, you, if, you, if Jesus is coming to you today and he's showing himself for the first time, I want you to respond by on your connect card, just writing out your response that you're accepting Jesus as your Savior today. We have somebody to pray with you at Next Steps. You can go to Next Steps. You can go to people back here on this prayer wall and they'll pray with you. And you can make that decision and you can be secure in that identity, to, identity today. But everyone else, I just want to pray this prayer over you and then give you space to share in what God is speaking to you. Because I believe he's speaking some things personally to you, that there's a personal experience that he wants you to step into today. So God, I I bless you today and I thank you for the word that you put in my heart. And I stand in agreement with heaven's perspective over every person that's under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or watching online. That they are the redeemed of the Lord. A new creation made for good works in Christ Jesus that you prepared beforehand. They are your workmanship, fearfully and wonderfully made. They are more than conquerors. They have this capacity called faith that is the victory that overcomes the world. It's faith in Jesus. That they are the son and the daughter of the most high and living God. That they have the, get to share in the glory of the expanse of the vastness of how incomprehensible, how inexhaustible that you are, God. I pray that it would be a daily experience in their life. I pray it wouldn't just be something they get to experience for 20 minutes, 30 minutes on a Sunday, but that would be something that would pour out into their early morning hours, their late nights, into their day-to-day conversations, walking around where they go. God, I pray that you would pour out, that it would be something daily overtake them, that blessing, life would overtake them everywhere they go. Everything that you have purpose will be theirs in Jesus' name. Amen.